0: Welcome back to the final episode of Commodity Conversations for 2020. My name is David Myers, and I'm normally doing the audio production side of this podcast. But today we're switching it up a bit, and I'll be having a chat with Rob Herman, Managing Director of Mercado, and Olivia Agar, Manager of Business Development, about the ups and downs of what has certainly been a unique year, and also what to look forward to next year. First off, though, I'd like to thank all our sponsors for their support this year. That's Cleaver's Organic Meats, Western Union Finance, Pro Advice Accounting Services, and the Currawera sheep and cattle sales. First up, I had a chat about wool with Rob, then Olivia and I discussed the sheep and cattle markets. Having started uh, with Mikado halfway through this year, uh, it's been interesting to see the um, ups and downs with the wool market. And most people say it's been quite a rocky year what were the moves in the market? Uh, well, Dave, right? It was a rocky year. We um,
1: we started in reasonable shape, as it turned out, but we didn't know what was ahead of us. Um, and I'm just looking at the Eastern Market indicator um, at the end of um, of December this year. Just got well last week when the sales finished. Um, the indicator settled, settled at 1157 cents in Aussie dollar terms, and we started at 1,558 cents. And in fact, it bounced around a little bit, you know, and in the middle of the year, it actually rallied up to about 1,700 cents. But it's, it's been up and down. It's been rocky. Uh, I think, um, and even just looking at it in US dollar terms, um, Dave, we started just over a 1,000 cents in US dollar terms and finished at 874 cents. So the movements were, were quite big. In Aussie dollar terms, we've ended up 26% down on where we started. There was a little bit of that was factored into the currency, though. The currency, the Aussie dollar, as people would know, they've been looking at that sort of information, would know that it's dearer. And we're about 10% up on where we started the year. So we know with our export commodities, that doesn't help a lot. Um, But that's factored into when you start talking about the EMI versus in Aussie dollars versus the EMI in US
0: dollars. Um, So...
1: Yeah, it was a it was a rocky year, that's for sure.
0: And compared to last year, would you say on the whole a bit more up and down the last year, or is that just the way? that Yeah, look,
1: we we, had, we certainly had a lot more outside influences, Dave, as everybody knows, you know. And you know, you don't want to go around saying, "Oh, that's the the year from hell," or one year we just put behind us, because it's just a reality of dealing with markets that these are the things that happen. But we were in, a, in some sort of an orderly decline in the wool market up until um, January this year. And then, of course, while we were, we were aware that COVID was about, and especially that it was impacting on China, it was very difficult to predict how big an impact that would have, because there are other factors in the market. And, you know, we've we talked a lot at Mercado about our low sheep numbers and low wool production. But in the end, you know, you really need markets to be acting right up the chain so whether it's um, um, tops markets or whether it's greasy markets or whether it's retail markets or wholesale markets they all need to be operating in sync especially for a commodity like wool to be working well
0: yeah i guess we can't finish the year without um mentioning COVID. uh how big an impact do you think it had on the wool market
1: well the first the first impact it had was that we and if you remember back to you know early in the year it was china who the first was the first country to be impacted and China's our biggest wool destination so there were wool exporters here in Australia who couldn't even find someone to pick up the phone in China you know those factories were closed they locked down uh, we know how seriously they took the uh, the efforts to try and get this pandemic under control and that relayed back into the market so we, we really had times where exporters were operating you know, in the dark, they had no idea what was going on. Then, of course, China dealt with that really quickly. So the first impact was the Chinese mills. But when the Chinese mills got back to work and uh, started to look around and see, well, okay, let's see if we can pick up the pieces. Then they found that that a lot of their customers in the northern hemisphere were in countries where COVID was just starting to take hold, and that's been the case ever since. I think we'll look back on this year just gone, Dave, and say that perhaps. The wool market, you know, performed not too bad given the severity of, of what this pandemic was. And, you know, wool, we've talked about this a lot on Mercado, but wool actually operates on consumer confidence. So we need consumers to be confident to go out and spend their money on things like woolen products and clothing. Um, that hasn't been an easy year for consumers this year. So perhaps we'll look back and say it wasn't as bad as what it could have been.
0: Yes. And we know that wool markets not homogenous, of course. Were the moves that we saw throughout the year consistent across the market or did various sectors perform differently? Well, no, that
1: they, they did perform differently. And um, one of the areas that performed probably um, poorer than others was the crossbred market. You know, that was down year-on-year um, year change. You know, the strong crossbreds are almost down 50%. But if we look across the scope of things, uh, the, the medium merino microns, so those 20 microns, 21 microns, they were down 25 to 30%. But as you got finer into those specialty finer wools, and remembering that the clip has actually been moving finer in the last 10 years, the, um, the recovery later in the year was much stronger for that. So it got hit early. Um, those fine wools got hit early, but the recovery was strong. And I'll give you an example. The 16 and a half micron finished the, the year, this calendar year, just 2% below where it started. Whereas as a comparison, that sort of 19 micron, 18 and a half micron that's bread and butter wools, that was 18 to 22% lower than where it started the year. So not all wools are wools, Dave, as they say in the classics. And I suppose the other thing is that we've seen The the end of the drought, pushing the microns bolder. So while the drought over the last couple of years pushed up more fine wool than the market could could absorb and a greater percentage of the clip was fine because of the drought, that effect is reversing now. And that's what's supporting fine wool prices.
0: And how did growers respond? I noticed there was a a lot of wool passed in during the year. So where are we at with uh, grower stocks uh, at the end of the year?
1: Yeah, look, it's it's a good question. Um, it needs to be weighed up with a number of factors, I think. The first thing is that, and Andrew Woods made this point in last week's podcast, that when the market falls a dollar in a week, well, people are going to get caught out and they're going to pass wool in. Brokers just won't sell wool that falls that much. So the passing rates were higher than what you might have seen in a, in a more normal year, um, but we've got a very low Volume of wool now—it's a low clip number, a low sheep number, so it's not as serious. And I think, as Andrew Woods again said last week, we shouldn't be looking at in bale terms; we should be looking in percentage. And we, you know, we're going to be carrying about 20, maybe up to 25% of a clip as grower stocks. Now, the thing we don't know is what's happened to the wool pipeline, because the the wool pipeline doesn't just end at at the auction floor in Australia the wool pipeline extends all the way up through the processes through other countries and to retail end. And the suspicion is that that pipeline is quite thin and quite um, devoid of a lot of wool. So any recovery in demand is going to want wool to fill that pipeline pretty quick. And so those stocks probably aren't as big a problem as if when the last time we had the wool stockpile, we had big sheep numbers, big volumes of wool, and, and the wool stockpile, uh, the wool uh, pipeline rather, was, was chock-a-block. So probably not a big deal, but uh, let's just wait and see. We've got to get started again next year and see where the market goes from there.
0: Yeah, and do you think with all the interruptions this year, has there been some changes in where our wool's heading to? Yeah, prob- probably the opposite, Dave, to be honest, because
1: um, China was the country that recovered quickest and so got back to manufacturing. So they've, we've always known they've been taking a lot of wool. Um, when the markets reopened, they were taking even larger percentages. And um, in w- on one hand, you could say, look, that's a bit of a worry. On the other hand, you'd say, thank goodness that China was operating and, and buying at these sort of levels. Um, and look, there's a lot of growers now are saying, look, we know the market's come back, but for certain types of wool, you know, 16, 17, 18 micron wools, we're not at bad prices. Um, and perhaps we just keep marketing and keep selling and and, and carry on.
0: What about uh, 2021, Rob? Uh, is your crystal ball an optimistic one or should we be expecting more difficulties? Uh,
1: really hard question, Dave. And, uh, you know, you could answer it. Um, you could really sit on the fence and answer both sides of the equation here. I think... We, we have a very favourable product and I noticed that um, there was some messages coming out on social media this week about how good the wool product is for this time. You know, it's, it's a renewable product. It's natural. Um, it, it's got a whole lot of characteristics that people know about. So that means it it, it is in a good position for where the world is heading. Um, but where the world's heading in terms of consumer spending is still yet to be decided. And, you know, just, Recently, we, we find it difficult to imagine how bad things are in, in some of the countries. You know, the UK, for instance. But I think, I think in by and large, Wool's got a, an optimistic outlook. I mean, it's never, it hasn't been this affordable uh, in the last three years. So it's at it's at good levels, you would think, for buyers and, and um, wholesalers and retailers. And we've also got relatively low stocks. So. The other thing is that we know that a lot of the really serious um, professional wool growers, their clips have been getting finer and, and their end of the market has been hit a bit hard because of the droughts where a whole lot of wool turns out to be finer. So that's going to set, sort itself out in, um, in this next year as the, the season continues on and the drought affected wools wool disappear and you've got genuine fine wool and, and a genuinely growing demand for that sort of wool. I, I'll just, just finish on one note, Dave, and that is that we've, as, as a lot of people would know, we've always been involved in risk management and hedging strategies and forward markets. And I wrote an article we posted um, yesterday, or posted last week, sorry, where I talked about um, this might be the time to have a look at some forward sales. If you've got to sell wool in quarter one of next year, um, have a look at what the forward prices are at, and, and if they – you know, if it sits well with a grower in terms of their risk and, and how they feel about things, then this would be a time to probably put an order in the market and get a little bit covered. And uh, as everybody knows, Dave, we're always very happy to talk to people more about that concept.
0: Yeah, just on that, uh, f- to finish up, just to turn the tables, uh, finish with a curly question. Uh, if there was anyone you could get on next year to talk about wool, uh, who would you who would you have on or who would you like to...? have on the show ah well i think i that's a good
1: question you didn't give me much nose to think about it though dave but i do have somebody out of left field because you said it's a left field question i reckon i would get prince charles on now (laughs) the the reason i'd get prince charles on is because he he is a real fan of natural fibers and natural a whole lot of natural things i think
0: and uh very interested in sustainability and the environment as well yeah exactly um
1: but I would be interested, and I think that's great, and I think anybody who's an ambassador, not, not that I'm a royalist, Dave, but anybody who's an ambassador or supports you know, wool is obviously supporting an Australian product because we're the, by far the best and most significant producer. But the questions I would ask him would be designed to figure out whether how much depth of knowledge he knows about this because uh, he, he might know a lot and he might have really studied into this and then that would be a good example to, uh, to try and spread around the world and, and uh, get people to think about uh, buying more and using more of this um, iconic Australian product.
0: Fantastic. I'll, I'll send him an email, see how we go. I'm sure he'll answer you, Dave. <laughs> Thanks, Rob. And now we'll uh, move on to uh, our next guest. All right, Liv, so you're going to chat about the cattle and sheep markets. How are you going today?
2: Yeah, good. Thanks, Dave. It's nice to be on the other side of the chair. So thanks for taking the hosting spot from me today.
0: Uh, all good. And I bet you're looking forward to Christmas.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to a bit of a downtime.
0: So, how do you think uh, sheep and cattle have uh, fared this year overall?
2: Well, it's no question it's been a ripper of a year for livestock producers, Dave. And like all industries, there's been challenges depending on whereabouts you're sitting in the supply chain. But overall, the Australian livestock industries, it's really been sheltered from a lot of the price impacts of COVID that have happened to other markets overseas. I mean, and really it, it started about this time last year when it started raining on the East Coast. And when that settled in and kept going through January and February, and we just saw, you know, the cattle market, for instance, rising week after week and and really remaining at those record levels since then, um, it's just been a, an amazing year for cattle producers. I mean, there, there has been challenges on the heavy side of the market with the, a lot more pressure coming from, Weakened export demand because of the p- pandemic. Um, we've seen indicators like the ninety CL, which is our uh, frozen beef price for grinding meat that goes into the US. It's come under a lot of pressure this year, and it's a, always a good indication how the Australian markets faring compared to overseas, and with the the big premium of young cattle prices here at the sale yard compared to those overseas prices. Um, we can just see how strong it's been in Australia with the tight supply and, you know, reduced export and food service demand, but, you know, still really strong demand in the cattle market.
0: I guess we can't ignore the COVID uh, impact this year.
2: There definitely is weaker export demand, Dave. Um, we've seen that this year in, in both cattle and sheep. And the sheep meat sector has been more volatile pr- price-wise this year. It was sort of riding on the, the increased demand from China due to African swine fever at the start of the year and that whole protein gap. Um, and then we had lots of supply chain challenges with the lack of passenger planes and, you um, weaker demand so there were times when the market um, and sheep might sheep meat prices uh, dropped this year but we're finishing 2020 with prices a lot higher than they were 12 months ago and much like the cattle market uh, you know most of that can be put down to the tight supply the grass fever and the desire to restock it that's all underpinning where prices are now so I guess if you were to pick a couple of words to summarise, you know how the livestock sector has gone this year and where it is now. I think uh, resilient and optimistic would probably be a pretty good fit.
0: Yeah, it's great. It sounds like it hasn't been a too bad a year after all.
2: No, no, not for livestock.
0: Yeah, we've had um, plenty of rain, which has been great for um, all the different sectors. And what about what were the biggest surprises uh, for sheep and uh, cattle this year?
2: There's been a few, um, but to to pick one, Dave, I think one of the big ones this year that have, you know, really shaken up the sectors have been the processor closures. So first there was a situation in the US where they saw really widespread, big, significant portion of their processing industry completely shut down, which throughout, it wasn't just the US supply chain, but created a big backlog of cattle and and that flowed right through you know other importers and exporters of beef that have had to deal with that changing demand center temporarily while the U.S. supply caught up and you know it it did all catch up eventually but then we saw a similar situation happen here with our land processing sector in Victoria when they got when Victoria had the second wave and there were the shutdowns in processes and restrictions put in place there that really took the processing capacity um, for a ride and made sheep meat prices really volatile through that period. And and I guess it was almost like the sheep meat market was clinging to those daily case reports like we all are a bit now again um, But, you know, they've come out the other side of that and it's it's been a real show of how supply chains can adapt to those sort of disruptions. And the fact that they've been able to pivot to changing export demand and, you know, the near complete loss of the food service sector for a while um, with prices of stock remaining really strong and supply still rolling through Australia, it's been a pretty big achievement, I think, as well.
0: Yeah, something no one could have uh, guessed at the start of the year. And so what do you think we should look out for next year, Liv?
2: In the short term, I think rain over Christmas is the big one for the cattle market or Christmas, early New Year. It's always a critical time for northern rain um, and sets the tone for cattle prices early into next year. So short term, that's what we'll be looking at. Um, then one of the other pieces that will be following on from that will be whether the cattle herd finally enters a rebuild phase. There's been the the female slaughter ratio has been stubbornly high this year and I think that's sort of taken a lot of us by surprise as well, how long it's stayed just so high for. And I guess it's a bit of a suggestion that a lot of produce producers are letting their pastures really rest and establish before turning to restock. But um, if we do get those really widespread summer rains from La Nina, then I think we can expect that we'll move into a herd rebuild um, fairly soon. And then or well, the other piece that we'll be watching, Dave, and I guess it's more relevant well, both to Red Meters, China's general buying activity and how that's going to swing things around in 21. So we'll be waiting to see things like the US-China trade deal, how that pushes through with the new Biden presidency and and things like um, the state of the rebuild of China's domestic protein supply and whether we start to see any reliance on imports wane or if um exports of beef and sheep meat have become a bit more entrenched in the diet there so there are a few of the key things we'll be looking out for next year
0: great plenty to look look out for well uh thanks yeah. for coming on and uh hope you have a wonderful christmas live and anything you'd like to say to the subscribers and uh, listeners before we sign off
2: i uh, just thank you for joining us throughout the journey of 2020 it's um been an interesting one to be reporting on markets and certainly kept us entertained. So we hope you've enjoyed the podcast and looking forward to more of it in 21.
0: Thanks, Liv. I'd also just like to say a special thank you to all the guests we had on the show. We love hearing your stories and insights and we look forward to having you on again soon. It's been great to be involved in putting together the podcast. While we're all looking forward to having a break, we're also excited to bring you some more great discussions in 2021. From the team at Mikado, we hope you have a safe and enjoyable break and a great season next year. And a final special thanks to all our premium subscribers. As always, get in touch if you have any questions about our regular weekly articles, this podcast, or any of the other services we provide here at Mikado. Thank you and see you in the new year.